I want to share with you a, a couple of ideas about Yom Kippur, which is approaching this coming Sunday night. And I just posted a few um, ideas from previous years, and this is a new one. And uh, I hope that you can find it meaningful, as I have. Um, a few years ago, I wrote an article on H.com called The Father's Love and Rosh Hashanah. And I want to share with you that idea and then expound on it for this year. Um, I always found it interesting that we refer to God as our Father. And it kind of bothered me because if you think about it, God is really more like our mother. And the truth is that God has many different ways of relating to us. It all has to do with the type of relationship. But why is uh, this time of year we, we, we really refer to God as our Avinu Malkeno, our father and our king? And I was, it got me thinking a little bit about, you know, what is the relationship, unique relationship with God as our father, and why don't we refer to him as our mother? So what came out was, was really amazing that, you know, when my first son was born, um, I might have told you this story before, I felt very disconnected from the whole process. I was standing there in the hospital. My wife's in labor. She's had, and, you know, the baby's born. And it, I was expecting this fireworks moment. And then they hand me my son for the first time. And I, I really expected to cry and to feel this incredible connection. But the truth is, when they handed to him to me, I was like a little bit shocked because he looked really weird. I'd never seen a brand new, brand really brand new newborn baby before, right when they come out and their head is kind of misshapen and like they're a weird color. And I was like, oh, weird. And that was, I'm just being honest with you, that was my initial experience. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, felt instantly connected. She was literally in love with him. Now she did have endorphins that were causing that to happen, right? The, uh, the um, cuddle endorph uh, hormone, they call it which um, known as oxytocin, um, which makes the mother want to connect the child and nurse the child. Of course, there's that, but it was a, a lot deeper. And that's the fact that my wife already had a relationship with the baby. She'd been cultivating it for nine months. And that was nine months of discomfort, of carrying something the size of a watermelon up and down the hills of uh, the town in Israel where we lived in the heat of the summer and there's heartburn and all sorts of other symptoms that women experience. They actually say that men experience like 50% of pregnancy symptoms. It must be psychological because of course the man is not pregnant but the heartburn I certainly related to as well as the weight gain which was completely unrelated to her pregnancy. Um, so that really a relationship was already developed. More than that, it's even more than that. It's that the child was a part of her. And so I was thinking, why do we refer to God as a father so much in our prayers? And I think the answer is because the father's relationship is not a natural relationship. Fathers do not naturally have a relationship with their children. It's something that has to be cultivated. In fact, we see in, in our society uh, the number of fathers who just disappear. Uh, now, 
Thank God mothers don't do that because that would be a big problem if genetically or biologically women didn't feel that attraction to the child because then the child would not survive. So we have uh, quite common that the father's uh, participation in the process is really just takes a second and then he has nothing to do with it. And that's why it's so much easier for fathers to abandon their pregnant wife or newborn child. Um, but what is the father's role? So besides that seminal moment of giving over uh, DNA, the, the father relationship takes time to develop. And those are the fathers that stick around long enough to experience the joy of being a, fa a father. For me, the first moment that I felt really connected to my child was the moment, and this has been with all of my six children, the moment they make eye contact. At that moment, I feel like I matter. I feel like I'm involved in their life. Before that, it's very much, uh, you know, changing diapers, and which unfortunately I can do, but the majority of it is feeding the baby, and, and that's the real moments of connection and intimacy, and that I have nothing to do with for the first uh, 10 months of the baby's life. And uh, suddenly when the child made eye contact, I felt like I, I, I mattered to them, like I was part of their life. And from then, that moment on, it was love at first sight, literally. And that really is part of the building relationship part. It takes the changing of diapers and the sleepless nights, but ultimately the father is looking for connection, looking for some sort of reciprocation of uh, it's not an unconditional love. And that's what's unique about our relationship with God. God ultimately loves us like a mother unconditionally because he's intimately part of us and will always be part of us. We're always intimately connected to God, one with God, and God always loves us unconditionally. But that's not the relationship he wants. He wants a conditional relationship, which means he wants us to acknowledge him and to give something towards that building that relationship. So that was my insight from several years ago. And, and just to expound on it, just a beautiful idea that fits in is that the mother also, when the child is in her stomach and is one with her, the mother also has room for relationship because when the child's in her stomach, there, that is not a relationship at all. The relationship only begins when the child is separate and disconnected and alone and cold and then can come back in intimate connection with the mother. That's what's so be beautiful about the mother-child bond. But ultimately, it's a return to oneness, whereas the father was never one with the child. It's something that has to be built. So that was my insight from many years ago, and, and I feel like it really fits into the high holiday experience. Rosh Hashanah is about, as I spoke about earlier, um, this year when I talked about feminism and Rosh Hashanah is about the disconnection of Adam and Eve, which is a metaphor for the disconnection of us from God. We were once one with God, then we were disconnected from God, thrown into a world of multiplicity where God is hidden. Our job is to come back to intimate connection with God. And that's really what Rosh Hashanah reenacts, that energy of disconnection from God, and the jo our job on Rosh Hashanah is to say, I want in on this relationship. I want to reconnect. That's Rosh Hashanah in a nutshell. I want to be part of God's mission in this world. I want a relationship with him. Then, 
becomes Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, I believe, is the opposite energy. Yom Kippur is a time to recognize how close we already are to God. That's the mother. That's the unconditional love of God. And that's why on Yom Kippur we're able to say, I'm sorry for all the things we did wrong. I want to talk about Yom Kippur a little bit. So for many years, I had a very negative uh, perspective of Yom Kippur. I personally found it to be very negative, beating ourselves up. We literally hit our chest dozens of times, hundreds of times on Yom Kippur and talk about all the things we did wrong this past year. And I, for many years, struggled with low self-esteem and negative thoughts about myself. And to beat myself up for a whole day was just too much. I, it ended up getting me depressed. I really did I did not look forward to it. I really did not enjoy the experience. And until I learned something unbelievable about Yom Kippur. So this is a Hasidic teaching about Yom Kippur. And I've talked about this before, that for me it was instead of days of awe, it was awful days. And not only are you fasting, but you're presented with a book that's like the size of a dictionary, and it's all in Chinese. You don't even read Hebrew. You don't know what's going on. There's no pictures. You're like flipping through looking for pictures. No pictures, no English. And you're told you have to finish that entire book all day. And not only that, you're fasting. And you're getting up and you're sitting down, all rise, all that. And it's just like, it's a, it's, and then on top of that, you got to beat yourself up and think about all the things you did wrong this year and how you're going to die because of it. It's crazy. So it's really the wrong perspective. And I want to share with you what I believe is the correct perspective. This is based on a teaching from. The Balatanya, the first uh, Rebbe of Lubavitch, of the Chabad Hasidic movement. And he, he points out that this whole idea that you're going to get, that the sinners are going to die on Russia, on uh, this year because of Rosh Hashanah, you know, after the judgment of Rosh Hashanah, he says it can't be because people don't die after Rosh Hashanah. We see lots of sinners who live to a ripe old age. So, so what's going on here? So he quotes a verse from this week's Torah portion, Parshas Chazinu which says, as follows, it says, Ki Hashem amo Yaakov Because Hashem's portion is his people, Yaakov is a rope of his, of his inheritance. And he reads the first half of the verse slightly differently. For Hashem's portion is his people, he said, for in Hebrew you can do this, for his people are a portion of Hashem. Chelech Hashem amo. God's people are a portion, literally, of Hashem. And from this, we learn out uh, the amazing um, Kabbalistic teaching that the soul is a chelech elokai mimal, mamish. The soul is literally a piece of God. And on the deepest level, we are intimately connected to God. So if that's the case, so what is this process of tshuva, of return, repentance, which we've, which is often translated as repentance, but I'd like to s suggest that the better explanation is return to self, return to source, return to your true source, your true self, which is that peace of God within you. So when a person, the soul is literally a funnel. It's like a rope that goes all the way up to the source in in the higher spiritual realm, a place that's connected completely to the oneness of God. 
and that the more we connect to that soul, the more we're connected to our true self. And the more we grow in our understanding and awareness, the more of that soul is revealed in our body. Um, another way, you know, uh, there are times of certain times when more soul is avail available. Like Shabbos, there's an extra soul that becomes experienced in the body. The body is like the shoe. And your soul is like the person wearing that shoe. It's your true source. It's who you really are. Um, so I was just mentioning to somebody yesterday. One of my friends uh, raises horses. And I asked him, "Will you? Uh, I would love to learn with you about Yom Kippur. He's like, sorry, I'm away for Yom Kippur. I'm tending to my horses. And, and I thought that was quite ironic. I said, just don't bring your horse to shul on Yom Kippur. Because really uh, the way the... The metaphor that the the rabbis gave was that your your soul is like the rider, your body is the horse. If we don't learn to control the body, then it runs wild. But if we can rein it in, then it can actually be very useful tool to get us to our destination. It can help lift heavy things. It can be a tremendous source of power in our life. But we have to learn how to ride our body, how to how to channel our horse. And typically speaking, we live in horse world. Our horse is much more dominant in this world. Our body is running the show so much often. That's really where we identify. That's what. That's the focus of our attention. That's who we think we are. And that's really a product of the post-sin of Adam, of eating the tree. He became a body who had a soul. Before that, he was his, a soul who wore, was wearing a body. And our job is to reconnect the soul in order to bring it in to body, to uplift body, to reveal soul in the world, reveal God in the world through lifting up physicality. So that's the uh, that's the idea of the of Yom Kippur. Is it's one day to reconnect our true identity as a soul. And when we get that, then we have a fighting chance the rest of the year because we live in horse world. We live in the world of the body. The body is much stronger. One day a year, we disconnect from body to connect to soul. That's the idea of taking off our shoes on Yom Kippur, distancing ourselves from physicality, physical pleasures on Yom Kippur, to recognize our true existence. So I've talked about that in the past, but I want to add on one more dimension, and that's the following. that So when we connect, the idea of a sin is that it's a blockage in our true source it blocks our true soul from coming into our body so when we say that sins cut a person off spiritually from their source or kill a person what we mean is it blocks the spiritual force from flowing into you so you can be physically alive but spiritually dead the kabbalah explains that each mitzvah there are 613 mitzvahs correspond to a different part of the body and that with each mitzvah, every spiritual act that we do, we bring life to that part of the body. And when we go against the mitzvah, so it cuts off that part of the body. So we have to bring life back by doing a process called tshuva, which is this process of return, which brings life force back into the limbs of our body, reconnects us to our source. So when I learned that idea, it, it really changed my life because I realized that on the process of Yom Kippur is not thinking that I'm bad. It's recognizing that I'm good. It's realizing how good I really am, how incredibly pure and holy and, and 
amazing I am. And then from that place of recognizing how beloved I am and how unconditionally loved by God I am, then I can say sorry for all the things I did wrong because it's simply taking off my dirty clothes. It's take it's stepping away from the actions or the dirty garments that I've taken upon myself which hide who I really am. It's unbelievable. And and this year I had a, an insight which just brings it all together is that Yom Kippur gets its source according to Kabbalah from a spiritual energy known as Bina. God created the world with 10 different filters, so to speak, which bring his oneness into the world in a way that we can connect to him and we can emulate him. And the second of those energies, or the third of those energies, is known as Bina, which is referred to as Ima Ilah, which means the supernal mother. It's an energy of motherness. And so I was thinking if you know, Rosh Hashanah is a day to connect to the Father, that desire to reconnect to the God, that, to the source, to the God that we're disconnected from. Yom Kippur is a day to connect to the Mother, to connect to the God that we're unconditionally loved by and always connected to. That is my idea for today. And, and I think if we can really realize that, that God loves us unconditionally and we are so beautiful and so pure, then we can just think about the things we've been doing that take us away from that relationship, that take us away from who we really are, and just say, I'm sorry. It's much easier to say, I'm sorry, when you're in your mother's arms. When you're embraced and loved, it's so much easier to say, I'm so sorry for the things I did to hurt you. I'm so sorry for the things I did to damage our relationship. That's Yom Kippur. We should all be blessed. That this Yom Kippur, we should connect our true source the part of us that's intimately one with God and recognize how beloved we are, how beautiful we are, how unconditionally cherished and loved we are. And from that place, make a commitment to step away from the things that take us away from who we really are. And I wish you a beautiful Yom Kippur, a beautiful year. And, and Rosh Hashanah is the day to get clarity on the relationship that we want to, how far we are, the relationship we want, the mission statement of God in this world, that's the brain of the world, of the year. Yom Kippur is the day to connect to how beautiful and pure we are and how we already are connected. That's the heart of the year. And then Sukkot is when we actually bring it all into action and we bring it home. So wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos, a beautiful Yom Kippur. And a beautiful year. And a beautiful life because you're beautiful.